Hey guys, my name is Akshita. I'm a data analyst and a travel enthusiast. I'm Anand. I'm a finance bro and a tech geek. And you're listening to the Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior. Lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient, and happy life. Hey guys, welcome to the Y Coordinate. Hi Akshita, how are you? <laughs> hey Anna, hi. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm all psyched for uh, the F1 Imola GP this weekend. So I've just been reading up on F1 stuff this whole week. So I'm really psyched for that. How about you? Hey, that's nice. Isn't it on this Saturday? Uh, I mean, it's it's this whole weekend. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know much about it, but I had a friend. Qualifying and then, yeah. Okay, okay. That's nice. That's nice. Cool. Uh, What what about you? How's how's your week been? It's been fine. I've been working. I just got settled back into Bangalore after moving back from Goa. So it's been fine. A lot of house tidying up to do, cleaning up that's been going on. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah. Um, All right. So I guess, so I, uh, let's, I'm going to introduce a guest for the, evening uh and i'm really excited to introduce our friend uh taj and fellow laptop enthusiast uh taj sohal <laughs> from uh, canada <laughs> uh, taj would you please go ahead and introduce yourselves to us <laughs> yes uh so i grew up actually in punjab in india so i'm like a full punjabi by heart and i moved to canada i would say almost 10 years ago i finished high school and then for my undergrad, I, I moved here, um, uh, like I graduated with a business finance degree. And I've been working and living in Toronto for seven years now. Uh, so I work as a senior analyst in a pensions and uh, benefits consulting team. Um, most of my day today involves in uh, administration of uh, employee pension and working on projects to enhance and kind of test tools for a better employee and customer engagement. Um, outside of work, I'm a big football fan. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, uh, as well. I enjoy kickboxing, you know, it's like as a self-defense, art, workout, whatever you want to call it. And other than that, the things that I'm passionate about um, and want to learn more about are mindfulness, mental health, I'm involved in charities in Toronto that are focused on these. Um, and during COVID, I have not been able to do much of the kind of like activities, but I've been reading a lot all over across the board of the space universe, uh, learning about like certain like data analytics tools, which I believe Akshita would have a pretty good knowledge on. And then also playing a lot of board games with my partner. I've been playing Sherlock Holmes, the mystery game, and which our goal is to solve the mystery using less clues than Sherlock. So essentially beating Sherlock, which we haven't been able to do so far. So let's see how that goes. All right. Uh, we are really excited to have you here today, Taj, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, talk offline about the Sherlock game. It sounds very, very interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know, Anna is a sucker for board games, so for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> game night's on. <laughs> 100%. All right. So our topic for today is uh, basically why is cold networking a concept in society and why does it seem so transactional and uncomfortable and natural when we do it um, i'm sure both of you guys have also had to do some sort of cold networking whether like undergrad or now 
So uh, maybe let we start like we can go around the table talking about our experiences with uh, cold networking. Uh, Taj, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I believe, I mean, to start like maybe like why it exists, right? So I think, believe it started to like kind of if we can learn from others in industries or topics we're interested in knowing about, or maybe even sometimes you end up meeting someone and you don't know much about that industry, but as a learning opportunity. Um, and I also now have over the years sort of thought about as a, actually like developing sort of professional friendships, I think, uh, personally. Um, now I feel like maybe there's another element of people who, the way I used to feel, you know, about it being a bit like transactional, I guess it's like for, because companies also want to use it for attracting the best talent. So it may sometimes, it, it, like, you know, at a network event, when you're standing in a group of people may seem like you have to sell yourself or get audition. It's an audition for, for a job, but, um, um, but I enjoy networking. I think I'm an outgoing person and I think it's something that you have to do given that we are going to a business school. Uh, so better get comfortable with that. And then also personally, I think it's because, um, you know, a strong network of friends and kind of like uh, professionals is essential to a healthy career in, in life. And you probably heard, but, you know, the further you advance in your career, the, the more your relationships determine the kind of opportunity set and, and, and ability to succeed in that. So, I take that and, you know, I try to use it as an opportunity to grow professionally and maybe even, you know, develop some, some friendships. That's, that's great, Taj. So um, following up on this, my experience with networking or professional friendships, as we like to call networking to be, it hasn't been as extensive. So because I just, so in India, um, the way placements or the way recruiting works is that a few organizations come into campus and then you sit for it through your uh, university itself and then you go for it so there's no concept of actually reaching out to people um, you know cold calling them cold emailing them reaching out to them on LinkedIn etc etc and then trying to make those relationships and friendships and then going forward with it but during my search for a lot of internships that I was doing during my undergrad I did have to go down this road so um, however badly I I really just did not understand the concept of cold emailing or cold calling because I was I never understood the concept of just reaching out to a random stranger and asking them uh, for a job which basically what it is but that's the entire thing about this being transactional um, initially I was very transactional about it I did not know the right way to actually build those relationships or approach somebody and I think that's where I lost a lot of great opportunities but then once like I started understanding that this is not about, you know, just going and asking for a job. You need to actually build some things, build a foundation before you actually get there. That's where I started. And that's how luckily I did get my uh, internship at Coca-Cola. And that fortunately translated into a full-time offer. So, I mean, that's one thing that uh, works for me. So I'm, I'm excited for the conversation we have to follow. What about you, Anag? What's been your... You've had a long, extensive, at least relative to me, extensive career across the world. So how's it been for you? Oh, yeah, I've I've done so much of cold networking that, uh, in fact, fun fact, uh, there was a time where I was extremely desperately looking for a job and I was getting tired of, uh, you know, manually reaching out to people on LinkedIn. So um, I'll not name the organization, but one of the top uh, investment banks I found a list of all their employees 
and i sent an email to all of them at the same time which was <laughs> which was an extremely wow. bad thing to do but uh, on the flip side it worked because now in that organization if you go and ask my name i've never entered their building but they know who i am <laughs> <laughs> um, you made yeah, the so mark in I've, some way i've i've uh, yeah so i've networked extensively uh I've only and and i feel like networking as a concept exists more in the western countries in india it's not so much in india when you talk about referrals it's more about who your extended family knows and and they just like refer there's almost it's like if your if your dad knows someone you just get the job no interview nothing that that it's almost like a, a level of nepotism where but in the west when you talk about referrals you use a, a level of like you basically if you refer someone you're putting out uh, your credibility on the line uh, and you know saying that hey i endorse this person and then then you know that person is further vetted and they get in uh, so that culture is different in terms of cold networking uh, i mean it it seems uh, transactional when you uh, okay and then cold networking i've done for two purposes the first was when i was looking for a job and the second one was when i work in consulting or investment banking i would go need to source new deals and for that also sometimes you know you have to go take the cold approach so in the in the latter example of when i'm trying to source deals that has to be extremely extremely transactional because you know i'm trying to get someone to give me their business and i'm going to tell them that hey uh, you know my consulting firm or my investment bank can do this this is for you this all will be beneficial for you so that's extremely transactional and it's almost like it's almost like a sales pitch at that moment but when it comes to job hunting i feel at least how i've approached it i did not i could not make it work as something transactional especially me being at the almost bottom of the food chain if i reach out to someone who's like a vp or a partner at an investment bank what can i offer him which he already probably does not have so for me my approach with cold networking for a job was always uh basically reaching out to for help and uh hopefully getting people to be converted into a sort of mentor mentee relationship to the extent that after some time they would want to put me get me under their wing and help me out so uh that's that's what and and obviously this doesn't work with every single person that you reach out to you need to click with someone and like taj said ha- have some sort of a professional friendship form but uh when that happens th- like that that's how i've been able to really leverage working whereas uh in terms of finding new deals or clients then that sort of transactional pitch where i can do this for you or you scratch my back i'll scratch your back that sort of worked better for me um what has been your experience taj have you had to cold network for your job or was it only to find a job so i think um it's been a mix i would say um when i was out of university i used to be like i didn't i didn't really know like like you know like i, I was more so desperate for looking for a job because I, i was in windsor and all i know is i wanted to be in financial services i didn't even know the different kind of like what specific role i'm targeting sometimes i would be talking to people and um uh, at a junior level and you know wouldn't I be asking questions relative to what they currently do and then as you mentioned uh when you're talking to someone who's at a very senior level you don't really know what you can kind of offer them and i think that's kind of like the problem with that approach or you know give first and and, and then take concept is you don't know what you have to offer and the more senior and important your 
contacts are, the harder to understand what value you can give them. So I feel like, and this is this may seem a bit like kind of like philosophical, but like um, from a human perspective, I, I understand that. Maybe, you know, that little article that I'm really interested in forwarding it to someone at a really high level, maybe it won't be really meaningful to them. But what I do feel, and maybe you can guys can give me your thoughts on it, is that if someone gives you an opportunity and you learn from that, or you end up being somewhere you really wanted to be, and you're appreciative of that, that gives the person, um, that lets that person be of genuine service, right? And then if you help them, um, understand the positive impact they've had on you. I think there's almost nothing better you can do for someone because this fulfills like sort of their deepest desire to be meaningful in the world, right? So I think that's what I have done with a lot of like the senior senior uh, uh, sort of connections. And then uh, I've done it mostly for jobs, but now before my MBA, I'm looking at a lot of different kind of like areas that I'm interested in. I'm interested in like non-for-profit and sometimes I think of business design being really good. So I'm kind of like reaching out to people who and asking them how their day-to-day looks like with no intention of asking for anything back, but more so if you can explain what, what do you do? Yeah, fair point. I, I agree with you on the, because uh, like in my personal experience, the only time I've gotten a useful positive response from someone is a generally it's been someone from my alma mater and it's basically that person giving back his this is one of his ways of giving back to the alma mater the second was probably at some point of time in his or her career uh he was uh sort of like a rookie reaching out to people and someone helped him or her along the way so this is again his way of kind of giving back and reciprocating uh, someone's help that he received in the past. And third is just, like you said, being being meaningful, doing something meaningful. Uh, and again, that that is where, like, I feel like it's, you know, nobody's really going to help you. So if you if you scroll through the internet about, you know, conventional advice about cold networking, they say things like, oh, you should offer them up some some article that you find interesting or, or, or some something along those lines. And I personally disagree with that entirely uh, because uh, I don't know if it's called the Ben Franklin effect or the Cialdini's principle, but there was an experiment where someone wanted uh, help with moving a sofa or couch that he was on the street and he found people and he did one of three things. The first one was he just asked them for help. The second one was he offered them $10 and asked them for help. And the third one was he offered them $100 or whatever is like the legit amount you'd ask, you'd pay for for someone for help and uh in which case do you guys think he got the most positive response? Where, where he offered ten ten dollars for help no uh he got the highest response when he just asked people for help without giving in because in that in that scenario he was literally reaching out and he was giving people the satisfaction of you know, feeling that they're helping someone. The second most popular was the $100 because then people were doing it for the monitor uh, response. The $10 had almost like a negligible response rate because you were making it transactional without actually being able to give back any value. So that is why I feel like analogous to that, when you reach out to people in sort of cold networking and, you know, you're someone at the bottom of the ladder reaching out to like a VP or a partner, there's literally nothing you can offer and whatever you will be able to offer would be like a $10 equivalent in our example. So they're just <laughs> asking them to help you out and, you know, just, you know, literally reaching out for help 
and giving them the satisfaction of having helped someone is probably going to be mm-hmm. more effective and that's that's like a perspective that i've heard a few times and i agree with it because that has kind of been uh, but i'm open to hear like if you disagree with that taj yeah akshita do you want to go ahead <laughs> no actually it's quite an interesting take i haven't heard this uh, before and um, i think i'd like to agree because i mean obviously it was the reasoning that you gave anand for the weight you know went down that way why people favored actually helping out because they would get that satisfaction of helping out uh i was personally thinking if there's a 100 dollar uh, monetary reward for me helping out with somebody i the first thing that go to my mind is why is it so high i mean i'd always have like an ulterior motive in my head but i don't think that fits into this discussion that's so, what i thought <laughs> yeah. yeah i was like why someone offering me 100 dollars to <laughs> help move something but that's definitely not relevant to this discussion right now but yeah i think i do agree with what you're saying that's interesting i do not have anything to oppose this what about you touch Uh, yeah 100% i think like even like when i think of how much i know like since i've been working and then i still get like because as, as anand mentioned it's like a concept in in kind of like the west is you know even when you're in college you start reaching to alumni and now i have uh, kind of students in first or second year and you know sometimes they would email asking for you know just to give give them like 20 minutes of my time to share my experiences you know what does the prospects look like and I can just put myself in their shoes and I honestly love the opportunity because it does make me at the end of the day feel good about, you know, helping someone out. Like even if like a simple thing would be to helping someone cross the road or, you know, an, an older person, just like something simple as that. And sometimes people would say, "Hey, you know, it's the job you're in, it's kind of like my dream role." And then you sort of feel like, "Dude, it's definitely not a a dream role. You you definitely need to do like more research and being there, but um I think it's what I found another once we like there's that uh, aspect of feeling good about it and I think also there's an aspect where if you do feel a connection with someone um in the sense you can put them yourself in their shoes I think then you automatically will help them out more if they're being honest in the sense that with, with this transactional way I feel is it's almost backward right because the gener- generosity stems from like sort of genuine affinity you know and and likeness towards someone so the people you know the people who know and like you will naturally go out of their way to create opportunities for you and these opportunities will be more meaningful because they'll be based on a sort of a history of understanding right rather than if someone just emails me straight and asks hey this is an open position in your company and I'm from Windsor would you like just put me to it and you know looking at sort of like these examples i was thinking you know in the because an interaction is not enough right like just giving me an email so i feel like think about your interaction at a toll booth right you pull up you hand over the change and you kind of drive on you may see this toll booth person every day and you may even say hi how are you but have you ever really made a connection with a toll booth operator right and did i mean did they ever become real friends the answer is probably no but if yeah if you made friends with a toll booth operator good for you that but that's what kind of like my idea is on this well what are you guys thoughts you know i uh, i agree with you that especially talking about being on the other side of this cold networking thing uh, i've also you know had a lot of people reach out to me some of them are just a, i i feel like some of them feel extremely entitled uh, maybe it's them feeling entitled or them just lacking experience uh, where they'll just you know 
I've never met them. I've never seen them. I don't know if they exist. They just sent me uh, a rudely uh, informally drafted email with a link to a job posting saying that, hey, I'm a student of the same university. Can you refer me for this job? Or, um, and yeah, I mean, at, at that point of time, I really, uh, apart from the fact that that person is from my alma mater, I really don't see any other uh, reason for me to want to, uh, you know, help help them out. But there have been cases where, you know, I've had a phone call with people and, uh, you know, I've been able to put myself in their shoes or they've been, and and not just that, I mean, when I when I endorse someone in my organization, uh, I am putting uh, some, some semblance of my credibility on the line because if I refer someone who's not up to speed, my manager, my directors in my organization would be like, why are you like, I lose credibility in their eyes. So I would not mm-hmm. want to do that. Because, you know, any any um, rando who emails me and, you know, things like this, uh, attention to detail in drafting emails, the amount of investment. You, you mentioned uh, someone saying that, oh, this is my dream job. When people don't come off as genuine, where they seem to express more interest than what you can get from their actions. Sometimes, uh, like... <laughs> So, so that, that all those things are extreme put-offs. But when you find someone who's generally interested, who's done the research, when they ask you questions, they're not asking questions that they could have found on the company website or very not so creative questions. And they're generally interested in what you're saying. You like you click at that point of time. You're right. Like I would probably go out of my way to help that kid out. If not in my organization, if there are no openings in my organization, then I'll find my friends who work and, you know, I'll, I'll try to help that person out. So you're right. You can, you can literally, uh, the amount of help you get will change quite significantly based on whether you've been able to form that sort of repo or that relationship or that professional friendship, like you call it. Um, and just to kind of like one, one quick thing, and actually, sorry, if you wanted to speak, but uh, I also feel, I mean, for me personally, that aspect was important because first I learned because right out of school, it wasn't important for me. And I feel like you guys, I also was an international student knowing no one here. And for me, it was also more important to kind of develop those kind of relationships because yes, I would have heavily relied on my family, my mom, my dad, my cousins, neighbors, or someone in India to get a job that I wanted because you can always find someone. But here, like that connection started from like zero. So I really wanted to make those meaningful relationships. And I would say out of the three jobs I've had, all three, maybe one, no, not so much, but the other two definitely were through a, a referral and the job wasn't even posted online. So I just was, hey, there's this position. It's not online. You won't find it on the website. Are you interested? And I feel like where people showed that over the time and the relationship developed, they went out of their way and kept me in their mind when something came and reached out to me. So that's why I feel like that aspect is very important for me. Yeah, and this also brings me back to what Anal had mentioned about a mentee-mentor kind of relationship. Because once you have, it's very similar, right? Once you are looking up to somebody and somebody's helping guide your way or advise you on certain things, and if you're the kind of person who's actually taking that advice and using it in the positive direction, the mentor also sees your efforts and has an inclination, a positive inclination about how you are, how your work ethic is if you're actually interested if you're actually motivated to work for it and then eventually even though you don't have a personal connect the entire fact that 
the mentor is able to see that you're actually working for it uh, can motivate him to go out of his way to uh, get you something or at least help you out in some of the other way. So I don't know, this, this conversation about what Anak said and what Taj, uh, you mentioned, uh, this just got me back to the mentor mentee because that's also, that's, that's not solely related on personal uh, relationship building along with, uh, sorry, relationship building with somebody you have just randomly cold emailed or cold called. But this is more of a, I'm not getting the perfect word for it. Anag, I think you might have to help me out here. But uh, it's transactional in a way because you're basically asking someone for advice, just asking somebody for help. But the person who is helping out is doing it out of the goodwill because he's seeing something in you, because he's seeing your efforts into it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, 100%. Okay, so taking a step back, why do you guys think this concept of referrals exists in our society? Like Taj, you mentioned that there are, and and I know this for a fact that about 40% of the jobs in the world never get posted. So, uh, and the only way to get them is if you know someone. Why, why is referrals a thing to find a job? Why can't you just you know, apply for a job and get interviewed and get... Um, I mean, I think even more important, as I said, as you get more senior in your level, right? Like some of those very senior level positions, they would never be posted online. Um, it's usually, you know, senior people, when they're leaving, they'll recommend someone. Um, I think like it, the, the idea of referrals is like, I mean, if I have to give an analogy, it would be more so like, let's say if I want help in like sort of like moving furniture from my house i'm moving into a new house right and uh someone from the street comes over and be like hey i think you need help i can see you kind of like struggling picking up those things do you need help would i rather trust that person or if i ask anna do you know anyone in toronto who can help me out and you tell me yeah i know someone he's he's a really good guy or or girl and you know trustworthy and like you know really helpful i would rather go in that direction because there's that kind of like element of trust and faith there and i think it's think of, if i think about it now i work what like 50 60 hours a week right so when i want to work with someone that i like or has already been vetted by someone else that i trust right i, I spend my most of my day with employees i feel like i spend most of my day with my coworkers than anyone else so it's sort of important and i think once that vetting comes in from someone that hey you know what this is an amazing person you guys will really get along. You'll be a great addition to the team. I feel like if there's that element of comfort there. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that, Taj. Uh, I don't, in fact, I think referrals are even more important at the junior levels and not as much. I mean, on the senior level, referrals are important anyways, but at the senior level, the contenders for that role start reducing quite significantly. But if you talk about, let's say, an entry-level investment banking analyst role at Goldman Sachs, New York. Can you imagine the number of applications they get for that role on a yearly basis? Now, mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago when the internet did not exist, uh, I mean, most people would apply to jobs within, uh, you know, their geographical vicinity and they might, you know, send out in, um, uh, physical mails or they'd get to know about it through advertising in their local newspapers. So for any particular job, you wouldn't get uh, more applications beyond a certain level uh, limit because ge the geography would limit that. Whereas because of the internet now, even if there's a job posted in, uh, let's say you're in Toronto right now, and if there's a job posted in Alberta, 
you you would be able to apply for it whereas maybe in the 80s you would not and that makes it extremely difficult because you have to scout through so many applications and uh it takes up a lot of resources of the organization so this referral system helps to kind of exactly the same logic you mentioned where you know they they can sort of short circuit that whole process of vetting someone to uh someone that they know saying that hey i know this person and that person basically just jumps up because even the whole recruitment process with like these multiple interviews looking at a resume uh i don't think it's uh it's still the best way of assessing candidates because it's not uh i mean someone could be having a bad day someone might be good at interviewing but shitty at their job uh so for so many factors but if someone knows someone and then they refer that person uh that is probably a better uh better test but the problem with it these days is because that's become kind of a system people have started you know reaching out to people randomly and trying to get a referral which kind of defeats the original intention of these referrals in mind what do you guys feel about that um just a question uh, you guys are talking about how it's better when you like you're having a referral through someone you know or someone who's been vetted through or like Taj gave an example about I'm knowing somebody and he's worked with that person before and he said hey this might be a great person for you to help uh, etc etc but this entire conversation is again um assuming that you actually know the person and know the person's way of work way of work cultures whatever uh, ethics etc but the entire point about uh, networking or cold networking that is happening right now is you actually don't know the person you have a few calls with them you have a few um, i mean even if you actually try to create a relationship it's based on what like five calls that i don't think any networking or any trans, uh, any uh, reaching out to anybody random doesn't take more than five six calls right i don't think i mean i might be wrong but yeah how much do you actually know a person in those five or six calls and then when you actually go forward and refer because we are talking about referrals right now and if these are the people you say that you actually personally know and refer i don't know how qualitative that five calls discussion can maybe i mean you would never know to as anak said that person might be great at talking at conversation at communication but when it actually comes to working he might or he or she might not be that great so how do you all assess that like the referral part and the i know this person personally part with this entire networking issue um if i have to answer um i would say like there's some element of like you know your judgment in there i think the more you network i believe you can develop some sort of a ability to um or 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 feeling or gut feeling to you know uh get get, get to know that and secondly personally i mean it may not work for others i mean it's also not a covid uh, pre solved pre covid but i am personally consider meeting people personally um i think after one or two calls networking is hard as you mentioned uh, and we all know it's it's hard but i think that's where i kind of like learned that at some stage you need to give a future to one or two conversations you need to form some sort of context for that next call for that next meeting and personally i would even ask people for coffee chats sit down and even if i'm going out with a friend that they to try to to go to a new bar or something i mean yeah of course it wouldn't work for someone else but for some people but i think at some point after three four conversations it's you could if there is that kind of element of of of, of you know getting along there you can go out for a coffee chat spend more time um i think it it builds into like a more concrete relationship then but given its covid um 
and, and you know, phone calls. And usually, typically, we do it once we're in the MBA and looking for an internship in three, four months. It's definitely hard. It's definitely hard. Anag, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, what, what uh, Akshita said is basically the point I was trying to make was that the intention of this whole referral system that was in place has completely been uh, hacked by this cold networking thing because you're right. I mean, there's not much assessing you can gen- legitimately do through a few series of coffee chats or phone calls, informational interviews, as opposed to someone basically grilling someone on a super day. So it's been it's been hacked and that the original purpose of why that referral system was in place is now being sort of misused in my opinion uh but hey that's the, that's the way things are so we have to kind of learn to work with it i i am a little like not not a very big proponent of this referral system unless you actually have known that person for a while uh, you know, now companies, the companies have just, you can literally, like, for example, in, again, I quote Goldman Sachs, uh, you can literally just get any Goldman Sachs employee refer you. I know that guy's less weight, but those kind of things are still in place, uh, which I don't think has a lot of value. But in terms of really getting the most out of core networking, I think what you mentioned, Taj, is probably the best case scenario of, you know, actually converting that into some sort of friendship itself where, you know, you go out for coffee chats, you go out for drinks. And, but the challenge with that, I feel is can only happen with people, let's say, who are maybe four or five years ahead of you, maybe a a designation above you where you want to be in the next three years. Uh, But that kind of breaks down with someone who's, let's say, 10, 15 years. I don't think you can really have that sort of uh, equation with them. And there it will always remain the sort of mentor-mentee relationship. And uh, you'll kind of have to rely on them to just sort of be uh, just just doing your favor, doing you a favor by helping you out. But yeah, that that that's one side of it. The other side of it, I guess, which what we're not talking about is the actual information part of it, uh, where they actually give you because when you talk about jobs, industries, working, interviewing, uh, there's so much information available on the internet, but in my opinion, 95% of it is completely used. So the kind of information you can get out of information interviewing is extremely priceless when it comes to all of this. And uh, what you gather in that stage is very, very useful when you actually get down to interviewing for that company. What, what are your thoughts on that, uh, Taj? Go, go ahead, Akshita. While you're speaking, I'm going and Googling what information interviews are. <laughs> Because I honestly, honestly have not come across any of those things till now. So Okay, so um, informational interview basically means uh, instead of you being interviewed for a job, you reach out to someone and say that, hey, like like Taj mentioned, that I just want to learn about what you do, what is your job, etc. So in that sense, you are interviewing the other person and the goal is to get in. Uh, okay, okay, okay. All right, that makes sense. I mean, uh, that is basically one of the steps of, uh, building a connection with somebody, right? I mean, uh, and it's it, it. I don't think it's only uh, concentrated towards jobs or recruitment. I think even so, if you talk about business school, and there's obviously a different ton of things going on. You talk about clubs and different interest groups, and obviously, if you have if you want to join something, like suppose we have a club and somebody wants to be um, and at an executive level, someone wants to eventually reach that executive level. It's a great place to be, this informational interview or a conversation about actually knowing about the job, the company, the role, the club, the 
day-to-day lifestyle that these people follow, the different things they undertake, what they feel about it, how they go about it. All of these things, as Anak said, you can find on the internet, but it's, I also do not believe half of it. And it's best where it comes from the source itself. And the thing about this is you can get multiple different people's perspectives. So one person might enjoy it 100%, but the other person might have something to say that we might not have thought of. So um, in that way, this information interview thing sounds like a pretty great idea to actually, actually genuinely know about the person the job or whatever you're looking um while i was like actually anag mentioned funny enough because yesterday i was like looking into like different things when networking and what people's opinions on internet are and i i I was reading about informational interviews and how this is a good tool um because um if i have to read like from what i was like reading there is like you know apparently someone was saying that's a fact about human nature that our experiences become more meaningful to us when we're invited to recount them to others, right? This is why sort of storytelling is an, is the oldest art form. And I feel sharing our experience for entertainment purposes or educational purposes, like that's what we are doing here, right? So um, I think if you can give someone the opportunity to do that, great way to build connection because they genuinely feel really good about it. And one thing that I personally am trying to be better at, uh, which I have been really bad at, is not having the best listening skills. I feel like I'm ADHD sometimes. I'm already thinking about the next thing. Um, I feel people know when, when, if you're listening or not when they're, when, when they're talking. And I feel if you can make someone feel that they're getting heard and you're following up, I feel like even if there's that age gap difference or a hierarchy, hierarchy difference, I think it can, that's the way to kind of build that relationship, like listening and, and letting them be the storytellers because we all love talking. I mean, I personally love talking. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, Taj. And uh, I think th- that is what I was trying to get at with, you know, s- sometimes when people would reach out to me, they were not listening at all. They have their agenda in mind. And they, irrespective of, they, they were like literally just trying to shoot through a list of questions and then yeah. get to the last question, which was, you know, can you refer me? So it was like, they ask a question, then they switch off. Then they ask the next question, then they switch off. And I mean, relationships are not built like that. So, so I agree with you a hundred percent. So should we, should we begin to wrap up uh, this discussion? Um, do you guys have any final points to add? I would just actually was curious about, you know, it, it is a different kind of a topic, but I did want to bring it uh, to a conversation to get your guys' perspective mm-hmm. is I feel when we are networking, and this is what I personally felt, I've attended probably close to a hundred networking events that we're always also not thinking about it as sort of a, like a network, right? Like networking network, which is getting to know people. And then kind of like we over, we over um, estimate the importance of like shining individually at these, right? There could be some sort of competition. And, and it's another topic which we talked about. Why do we get jealous or why do we feel competitive with our own classmates versus someone at another school at another country doing really well? So I think that's another kind of like concept uh, that I'm interested in knowing from your perspective that and these networking events I always find that there's that element with your own classmates that can get through whereas I feel like if you are all connected and it's a network that's actually far more beneficial than that specific networking event in your life. Okay so in this stage there are two kinds of networking events one is where you probably get at the likes of universities and colleges where 
you know, the students are there and then there's like a guest or a panel of guests who come. So in that sort of, there's like this asymmetrical equation between people who are sort of networking because then it's your classmates trying to network with that one person. You'd see like, you'll see like one person and then eight, nine people are kind of surrounding that person and everybody's trying to get in a really intelligent question in and, you know, to make an impression. So that's one kind of networking. The other kind is you get invited to a conference. So you get invited to an event where you sort of on equal footing with everyone else. So maybe let's say you work uh, for an organization that deals with pensions. So it's maybe an organization, it's a conference for all pension funds. So there you're sort of on a more equal footing and there every interaction that you have is one is to one. So so then the equation is variable. So because in the first case, you're not trying to network with your peers. You ne- you're just trying to network with that one person who's the ju- guest and you're competing with the others to kind of get your like word in or make an impact. And uh, whereas the second one is going to be like how you think of networking where you know, you're just trying to grow your network and everybody's kind of mutually trying to build up each other. Uh, the last networking event that I've been in person was in uh, March 16th of last year, before two days before things went to <laughs> lockdown in London. And, and that was a completely like random event because uh, so that event was for uh, robotic process automation and a colleague of mine was going there and I just went along with him. So there... We were all sort of just, everybody was making individual connections and nobody was trying to, you know, uh, shine, so to speak. But the but the other one that we talk about there, yes, that, that competitive nature kicks in because you some, somehow feel like you're competing with your peers and you need to really impress. We have this sort of mindset that if you ask a really intelligent question and you impress that person, suddenly that person is going to, you know, maybe give you a raffle or whatever. And uh, I've, what I've started doing is I basically just get myself out of the rat race because I realized that person is going to be speaking to so many people in that event, he's not going to remember anyone. Uh, so I just slip in, get that person's contact details and slip out and then reach out to that person after the event and set up like a one-on-one. Because at least 30 minutes of talking one-on-one is required to really make an impact. One intelligent question thrown in a midst of barrage of questions that you're getting is is not going to be helpful. So that's kind of my take on this uh, Akshita. unfortunately i have nothing to add on to this because i haven't ever been to any networking event but you know what this entire conversation is like tips for me to going forward this is better than any advice or, or any career center can give me all of these tips and tricks that i need to follow but uh it sounds pretty hectic. I mean, I've heard people say that they've had to attend networking events. As you said, like the, you need to impress and you have like the 30 second time period where you need to actually shoot a question or you need to make a statement that the person will remember. But I really don't see that happening. Um, I agree with what Anak said. It's very difficult to remember somebody out of the 10, 20 different people actually shooting questions that you are shooting information that you are trying to make an impact. But actually then personally trying to reach out and then having a conversation with them makes a much larger impact uh, than this networking event but it does sound pretty hectic I mean I'm personally pretty scared I'm like I don't think I can do the entire uh, 100 people in a room trying to impress five panelists or five uh, company execs or uh, recruiters who are coming in but let's see how it goes if I can just sort of jump in it's like I do and you you gave those two kind of pointers one is kind of like when everyone's on the same kind of like footing and it's like invited like let's say i'm invited to like a a pension and employee wellness kind of conference and things like that but 
I was actually talking more of what we'll be going through as, as MBA students, where it'd be the first one you mentioned. And those are the ones typically are not that enjoyable, at least personally for me. Um, and I think I kind of agree, but we'll add one more thing is that um, I probably, I don't know if I was ever good at like small talk. And I feel like some people are really good at that. And I kind of admire the ability to, to, to have that small talk because this is what I also feel is that you will get your opportunity to do, as I mentioned, that 30 seconds and, and whatnot, or like an elevator pitch of why you're so amazing is, I feel like sometimes it's important to kind of do, be part of that small talk to show that, you know, you can hold your horses and then maybe, maybe wait for that moment that kind of gives context to that next conversation where you want to follow up. Um, because I feel like maybe if I, get a card, get out too, and then I'm in the same situation of that person feeling like, who the hell is that person? So if there could be something, um, usually I think it works for me is, you know, the, the, what they're drinking or like sports teams and things like that has worked out. And then, or food, I feel like food is probably what everyone loves to, to talk about. So yeah, that's, that's one other thing I feel like about creating context for that kind of follow-up. Yeah, I mean, Sitaj, I took an extreme example of, let's say, five people in a room with 100 people trying to network with them. In those kind of situations, uh, it's it's very difficult to get anything in because the, the, the person, like that five people, their idea would be to get maximum exposure, get a chance to speak to ma- the maximum number of people. So even if you ask an interesting question about the drink they have in their hand or food or whatever, it's not going to be retained because they're not actively listening. Like they, they, their thought process is, let me get done with this group, move on. They'll be seeing another circle. And and uh, while there'll be people trying to hold them down by asking, like I remember when I was at Duke, there was this uh, junior from undergrad and she would literally go around and talking, like her opening sentence was that, I'm a junior at Duke, but I've then she did this long ass story about herself, about how she's going to be graduating early. And the only thing that did was she basically <laughs> pissed off all the people that she's trying to network <laughs> with and she pissed off all the other like peers because you know that she became like the girl who did that. So I mean that's the case. But there's more nuance to it. For example, if the ratio is better, for example, let's say it's a uh, it's a finance society event where there are like you know 25 students and maybe three guess there and that event is for like two three hours long there you you will get an opportunity to you know speak for like one to one or two is to one for like maybe five ten minutes without that person feeling pressured to kind of work the room in those kind of situations yes uh making that sort of building that sort of depot is uh extremely useful sometimes for example let's say we're there and like the guy who's come is you know he, he also grew up in punjab and you connect with that person that obviously if you reach out to him on LinkedIn later on, he's going to remember you. Uh, so um, there is nuance, but I was talking about the more extreme example where, you know, it's a big room to be worked. That person is going to be there after the event for maybe half an hour to just kind of move around. And then he has a flight back to wherever he came from. In those kind of situations, it because that is when it gets extremely, extremely stressful. So that is where I've kind of decided because to just get that person's contact number and move out. Uh, the other problem that happens is you get stuck in a circle where you spend your 10 minutes talking to that one person out of five and you never get to even see the remaining four people. So this way you go shoot through all five, get their contact details, maybe listen to what they were saying and refer back in the message you send them and 
you have a more successful half an hour than most of your peers because they were trying to just lock that person down in that event, which I don't think is. Yeah, right. I mean, you know what? We you kind of stop it here because I'm gonna keep <laughs> on coming up with follow up questions because I feel like there's also that element of quality versus quantity, right? Uh-huh. If 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 you can connect with some maybe two people, but you connect all maybe a Punjab conversation and and something else versus five and there's no right. So maybe sometimes I feel like is is maybe food for thought the element of quantity over quality and secondly. I mean, we're probably going to have a lot of remote uh, networking sessions and maybe the, the numbers there is like one to 10, one to 50 and, and breakout rooms and then the challenges with that, right? So interesting food for thought, you know, I, I guess even after this, this kind of podcast, we can stay in touch and, and share our experiences on that. Definitely. Right. So, but let me just give you a follow-up response to your <laughs> quality. Thing. Uh, so, you know, the, the situation that I'm recommending where you don't waste your time in trying to build that connection is situations where there are 10 people and there's one guest to talk. You won't get an opportunity to speak beyond one, like a sentence or two, because three of your peers would be jumping to cut you off. And that person will ask <laughs> one question. And as soon as the guest starts, finish, is about to finish answering, the next question would be short. So you, you'll, and if you try to get back and be like, no, but going back to the thing that I asked, you start coming off as more adversarial and that starts going against your favor rather than your favor. So in those kind of situations is when I, when I say, but yeah, I mean, again, when it's more relaxed, then yes, that is the way to go. You're wasting an opportunity if you don't. <laughs> and Akshita seems like she's getting stressed. Anything else? Oh, the idea of networking. <laughs> Akshita, are you getting stressed? I'm damn stressed, dude. Like, I don't know if y'all can see my faces, but I'm really stressed out. It's fine. I'm going to have both of y'all to give me tips and tricks on how to survive my first networking event. <laughs> yeah, I, I think going by whatever has been my experience with you on this podcast, I think you have exceptional social skills in your challenge. Uh, <laughs> Thank okay. you. Anything else? Or <laughs> should we begin to wrap up? I think we can wrap up, I think. We do. Okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> Cool. Uh, then let's move on to the next section of the podcast, which is a funny or insightful incident of the week. Uh, Taj, do you have anything in mind? I, I would, I would have to ask, ask you guys to go first because I honestly thought of something funny in my week and I could come up with nothing. So let me think and you guys can go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, huh. So I, I've been, I've been, so like I mentioned in the beginning, I was, I've been watching uh, like the the Netflix series on Formula One this whole week in getting psyched for the GP that's going to happen this weekend. And uh, watching that, I kind of realized that, you know, the office politics that you experience all the time in different organizations, I mean, uh, just watching it made me realize that it happens every single, at every single place. And something like a Formula One, it's just basically out there, like for everyone to see. And uh, in that, like there's this rivalry between um, Renault and Red Bull. So Renault uh, would manufacture engines and give that to Red Bull. And Red Bull wasn't very happy with it. So in that he made a statement saying that uh, we play, we're paying for first class and we're flying economy because, you know, they were paying a lot of money to Renault and you're getting shit engines. And uh, I don't know, I, I just I just love that line. I'm going to use it every single chance I can get. Uh, yeah, I... I don't, that that's not a very funny incident, but 
<laughs> no that that quote i actually like that quote quite a bit i think even i'm going to use it i'm paying for for first class but it feels like i'm flying economy that's a nice one yeah. do you i, I think the the guy from hals that gunther guy i feel like yeah. he's hilarious uh-huh. he he's hilarious the things he says and the way he says it always cracks me up really good can you give an example or something like like i mean i don't know this is not very the thing but remember there's a scene when which he's like he calls gene who's like the uh-huh. owner yeah. and he's every time he's calling him it's always yeah. bad news and he would be like <laughs> yeah they, they we, we 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 look like wankers today remember <laughs> like he would just call them and i was like this guy is hilarious gene never gets any positive news it's always like our engines this happened you know like idiots yeah, so yeah. <laughs> and on on that note sebastian vettel comes up with the most peculiar uh, nicknames or like so like uh, in the early years when ryan kartikeyan the only indian driver is from the one was there he once crashed into sebastian vettel's car and sebastian vettel called him a cucumber <laughs> <laughs> it is completely like i don't know where he came up with it <laughs> so that's um, I, I, i've been loving that show i finished yeah, like all those two seasons um other than that like i mean from the week i was thinking and to be honest it was my it was my birthday on the 10th so it's like second birthday in in a pandemic uh so nothing special i i went to a mm-hmm. park um uh, and then you know one thing i realized is because i've been ordering uh, a lot like i'm taking certain courses on uh just like analytics and things like that so i was just using a laptop before but now i'm kind of like trying to find like additional screens and making like a good station here and i think what i really like is the fact that how excited i get when i know something is getting delivered today so even if it's a laptop it's another screen it's a mouse it's a nice keyboard that like i sit on the window right and like this is kind of like the workstation and that's like the window and I see someone kind of coming in here and honestly no matter what's going on at work I would literally go out open it and unpack it you know sanitize and just start looking at like updating it or connecting it I feel like there's that kind of still that child feeling in me when something new comes and and I think it's really hilarious for like my my girlfriend and like other people when they see me like kind of opening opening these packages that have been coming through Yeah it's almost like a gift Now I understand what Anag meant. Now I understand Sorry. what Anag meant by saying fellow tech and computer enthusiast. I get excited. So me and Taj have been uh, going back and forth and trying to find a worthy replacement for the MacBook and I think <laughs> Taj has already Nothing ordered so a few laptops and returned them and there's literally I mean in 2021 there's literally nothing that exists that can match a macbook anymore especially the m1 which is quite uh, quite frustrating quite sad. Yeah, yeah sad and, and and really stressful i've been i've been ordering returning ordering returning <laughs> i think i'm i'm finally gonna like just accept it that, you know yeah. that's that's a lesson sometimes you have to accept things in life so what what do you what have you decided to go with or are you still i i would say the thinkpad like the okay. the newest thinkpad as you quote on quote the shittiest <laughs> best non apple <laughs> this is the, the shittiest of best right so yeah. i guess that's the that's the way to go yeah like the like like how in in formula formula 1 is such a weird sport where it's like there's some teams at the top and they're just competing with each other and then there's this whole internal competition going on between like who's going to be fourth fifth and sixth like the best from the rest so <laughs> <laughs> the thing exactly. is like the, the best metaphor 
Yeah. The MacBook is like the Lewis Hamilton, and then all of these others are, I don't know. 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Akshita, how about you? What, any funny kind of incident? <laughs> I was hoping you guys would forget that I had to go. <laughs> I always generally try to. <laughs> I was like, mm, yeah, guys, come on, keep talking. So then, yeah, you slide me off. But um, no, I, it's been uh, quite a boring week, I'd say. And mm. I, I exhaust my funny incidents. The one funny incident that sometimes happens, sometimes not happens in each episode. So it's like this time there's absolutely nothing that has happened in the last three days that we have recorded another podcast. So, <laughs> no worries, no worries. But I'm definitely... Uh, take your uh, no 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 I'm just gonna add in about the thinkpad I was actually gonna ask you Anag about uh, what can I take in in place the MacBook so yeah thinkpad it is I think I'll go go message Taj after this and ask more about it <laughs> maybe maybe your uh, mom will roast you again before the next episode and we'll have something funny <laughs> <laughs> you know what she actually heard last time's uh, episode and she's like hey you mentioned me I sound so funny and I'm like yeah ma you are <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did. It was quite a funny thing. I like how most of my funniest incidents have been something my mom has said or done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, where would yeah. I be without her? She better listen to this part of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. So I guess uh, that wraps up our episode for today. Uh, Taj, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure having you. I think our discussion was quite fruitful. and. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And thank you, Akshita, uh, for joining us. Thank you so much, Taj, for joining in here today. Uh, and thank you, Mark. I don't know why you thank me always, because I'm always here. <laughs> But yes, thanks. Thank, thank, thank you so much, Taj, for joining in. It really was an amazing session. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for, for inviting me. I was, I've never done like a podcast before. So I was kind of, kind of a bit nervous i would say but hopefully this was a productive kind of session and we we got some juice out of this oh definitely did, uh, i yeah, yeah. and and so to answer you so it was now <laughs> sorry go ahead, the world actually. of networking yeah and, and to answer your question actually i i think it's just inertia i i was thanking taj and then i was like might as well thank actually that's fine you can i'm i'm grateful you can keep thanking me that's fine <laughs> <laughs> wow i did not sound nice it sounds so bad but um, thank you thank fine. you anak yeah <laughs> all right thank you guys thank you actually i'm going to stop recording now and see you guys in the next